Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Let's put our hands together for the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Take it up a few decibels. Come on. Let's go. You guys may be seated. Welcome to JTP Church. Always awesome to share the Word of God and just talk a little bit. And more than just talking, allowing God to change our hearts. How many of you guys are aware that God is in this place? How many of you are aware that God, He works. Even though we can't see Him, He's working in our hearts. He's talking to us, challenging us. Today's going to be one of those days that he's going to challenge us. So why don't you raise your hand and say, Lord, speak to my life personally today. Tell him, let me know you more and tell me whatever you need to tell me. I'm going to take it like a man or if you're a lady, like a lady. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Well, let me start off by just talking a little bit about this because we're talking about loving me. Last week, we talked about loving me. We're in this love series. Today, we're going to be talking about loving him. And next week, we're going to be talking about loving others. Now that we got the loving me part down, and if you weren't here last week, always you can check our podcast to catch up. But now that we got loving me down packed, let's talk about loving him. In the 90s, there was a very popular book, one of the best-selling books in Christian life that came out. It was published by a guy called Gary Chapman, and the book is called The Five Love Languages. Has anybody here ever read it? If you're ever looking forward to getting married, if you are interested, or if you're dating, or if you're already married, or you just want better relationships, you should read this book. And I'll tell you why it's important. The author discovered that there's five different channels through which a person receives love. There's five different love languages through which a person receives love. And here's the crazy thing. Your love language could be different than mine. And basically, these are the five love languages. The first one that he describes is gifts. A lot of people feel that they're loved by someone when they receive gifts. Another one is quality time. Spending quality time. That's a way that that person receives love. A third one is acts of service. When you serve somebody, right? When you serve a person, that's a way that that person receives love. Fourth, words of affirmation. And fifth, last but not least, and my favorite, physical touch. Physical touch. A lot of guys, or most of the guys, uh, have this one high up in their list, right? Physical touch is how we feel loved, right? So I took the test and discovered that that's my love language. You know, physical touch and words of affirmation, right? So touch me and tell me I look good, baby, and I'm good. I feel loved, right? feel loved. When we were getting to know each other with my wife, we just got married, and Luca and Mia weren't around. We would argue and bicker and, and fight. I'm not the type of person that likes to be wrong with a person. I just want to move on. You know, let, let's resolve it. And my love language is, you know, physical touch. So what I tried to do, you know, Carly's there talking up a storm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how long is it going to last? And I'm going to say, come, come. And then I just I'll hug her. And she'll try to get away from my grip. She'd be like, wait, 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 we're talking. We're talking, don't hug me. I'm like, wait, but it's done. Forget about it. It's not a big deal. Let's 
just bury the hatchet and let's move on. But I didn't understand that her love language is not mine. She has a different love language. And, and Carly took the test as well. And her love language is actually gifts and quality time. So she wants to spend quality time. She's like, look, don't hug me. Spend quality time with me. Let's talk about the issue. Let's resolve it. And guys, we don't like to do that. Most of us. It took me to understand her love language, right? To be able to make things work because she's not about touchy-touchy. She's more about talky-talky, right? So I had, to, I had to learn and understand this, right? So how many of you know that uh, you can come to church and be present and not be engaged. How many of you guys know that you can come to church, be present, but not be engaged? When we were getting to know each other and we just got married, Carly and I would do everything together. Now with kids, it's a little bit different dynamic because we have more responsibilities at home and whatnot. Carly's going to school now. So there's a lot of stuff going on in our lives right now. But at the beginning, we would work together. We would drive to work together. We would eat breakfast together. We would eat lunch together. We would drive back home together. We would go to church together, eat dinner together. And sometimes late at night, I'd come into the, you know, into the bedroom and she'd be giving me the look. Guys, married guys, know what that look is. For those that are single here, that look is a special look that you already know. She wants to tell you something, but she's not going to ask you. She's waiting for you to ask her, is, some, is there something wrong? Right, so she's trying to get your attention, doing different things. <laughs> Babe, what's wrong? You know, is everything okay? Uh, I see that you're, you're fluttered. Is, are, are you okay? Is everything all right? And then she tell me, it's just that you don't spend time with me and I'd be like uh wait we've been all day together 24 7 we work together we drive together we eat together we do everything together what do, you, what do you mean and what I didn't understand is that quality of time which was one of her love languages is not the same thing as quantity amen this is Super Bowl Sunday and a lot of guys are going to be with their wives or with their girlfriends or with this stuff. But you're not going to be spending quality time with them. You're going to be cheering on the Chiefs because the Chiefs are going to win. Or I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going for the Bucks actually. Uh, or the Bucks are going to win. Whoever you're going for. Right? So uh, the fact that you're there, and this is what Carla was trying to tell me. The fact that I was there and driving with her and stuff, that's not quality time. I wasn't engaged. Now let's take this to the spiritual. Because sometimes you can be with God. You can come to to the church and be present, but not be engaged. How many say amen? amen? It's different when you come to church on a day like today and you lift up your, your hands and you worship God. When you engage, when you say, look, I just don't want to be a listener. Like we were talking about the other day. I want to go through the next steps. I want to learn how I could serve God. How can I respond to this love with which he's loved me? And we're going to understand that fully in a little bit through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So God is not looking for present people. Why don't you tell this to your neighbor? Tell him God's not looking for present people. He's looking for engaged and willing people. Amen? And I discovered, you know, in my personal example that I just shared that when you love your partner with the right love language, rhythm, and harmony follow. Right? If Carly understands that my love language is physical touch and words of affirmation, and I understand that hers is gifts and, um, forget the, the other one, 
quality time. You see, I, have, I still have to work on that. <laughs> when we both understand this, then rhythm and uh, harmony follows. So here's the thing that has been, I've been thinking this week. Does God have a love language? So we're talking about these five different love languages that Gary Chapman talks about. But is there a way, a specific way that God receives love from us? Is there a way, because sometimes we think that, oh, maybe just coming to church, you know, is, it shows God that I love him. But is, in the Bible, is there a way that when I do this particular thing, God is receiving love? It's feeling loved by us. And I want you to go to the Bible because there is actually a way. And it's in 1 John chapter 5. Because what we don't want to do is make the same mistake I made with my wife, trying to love God in the way that I want to be loved, but not in the way that he requires. So Dr. Chapman teaches that people can't receive love until you love them in their love language. Listen to me, and this is going to help you for, in your relationship. You should buy the book and read it. But summarizing, people don't receive your love unless you love them according to their love language, not yours. So John, 1 John 5, chapter 1, verse 3, it says... Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Now, a lot of people think, no, I'm a child of God because, yeah, I was created by God. Well, you're a creation of God. There's a big difference between being a creation of God, which everybody in the world is, and being a child of God. And here it says that the child of God is only those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. And then it says, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. So here it is, just so that you know, when you say Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Some people think that Christ is Jesus' last name. It's actually a title. And what Christ means is, Christ means anointed one, uh, the savior, the one, the man, right? It's, it's, uh, he's the savior of the universe. He's the savior of my life. So everybody say, Christ is a title. Now, the title speaks of the condition that he came. It speaks of this mission. Why did God send his son Jesus here? Well, his title reveals it. He is the Savior. He sent Jesus because we needed, as people, a Savior. How many say amen? And, and sometimes, you probably walked into church today having, you know, problems and out of all your problems, there's probably one that's weighing heavier than the other. And your problem might be financial. And you might say, man, my, my biggest problem is my finances, man. My finances are all messed up. I need to save. I, I just, uh, my car got crashed or whatever happened. I have financial problems. And you may think that everything you need today and your biggest problem is financial. If that would have been the case, God would have sent Jesus the economist, right? Because that's a title. An economist. Or, or sometimes maybe you can think that your problem is on your mind, you know, and, and you just need to believe yourself. And, and that was the case. God would have sent Jesus a psychologist. But God didn't send Jesus a psychologist or Jesus, you know, the economist. He sent Jesus Christ, the Savior, because there was one main problem with us as people, and it's a sin problem. We needed a Savior to rescue us, and God sent the Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. How many can give him praise for that? So our greatest need was that we had a sin problem. Everybody say, I had a sin problem. 
It was a sin problem. And we need a forgiveness. We needed a savior that could come and die for us so that our sins wouldn't be counted against us. That's why God sent Jesus the Christ, Jesus the savior to rescue. He came to save you. So, you know, it's, you don't have a problem. We are the problem. You understand? It's not that we have a problem. We are the problem. And that's why Jesus had to come. Uh, sin doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you immoral. It makes you dead. And I'll prove it to you. Ephesians 2.1 says, once you were dead because of your disobedience, and we're going to get to that word in a little bit. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So check this out. You can't receive the love of God until you admit and realize that you need God. I'm going to say it again. You can receive the love of God, the forgiveness, everything God did for us through Jesus on the cross until you admit you're a sinner. And that's what John was talking about. He says, those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is my Savior, those are children of God. How many here realize and admit and knew that you were a sinner, that you needed a Savior, and one day, maybe today's the day for somebody that's watching us or that's here, you're going to... You're going to open your heart and say, God, I need forgiveness for my sins. I recognize that I'm a, that I'm a sinner and the, the wages of sin is death. So I need you, Jesus, come and love me and forgive me. And that's the beautiful and supernatural gift of salvation. And it can't be worked by a person. It can't come through the words that I say. It could only come through faith in Jesus Christ. Now check this out. Look what happens to us sometimes in this society that we live. Proverbs Chapter 14 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of him is the way of death. So there's a lot of, when we don't have revelation, when we don't let God speak to us, when we don't understand and we don't pray, you can make decisions thinking it's the right decision and you think it's the right way, but the Bible is saying it's, it's the way of death. Historians say that, how many of you guys remember the Titanic? They said that while the Titanic was going down, the orchestra kept on playing and people kept on dancing on the deck because they truly believed that the, what everybody was saying about the Titanic, that it was impossible to sink that boat. Some people even said that not even God can sink that boat, right? So they were, you know, dancing and playing to their destruction. And I want to tell you that today in society, there's, the music is playing. The orchestra is playing. And a lot of people are just going about them lives, going straight to destruction, thinking that the worst threat out there is COVID-19. There's a bigger threat. And it's the threat of sin. Because it's not, it's not just the death in your body. It's a death in your soul. It's an everlasting death. When Jesus came to give us everlasting life. So a lot of people are thinking, well, you know, it's just, I'm a good person. You know, God will let me into heaven. And you know that that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you can't earn salvation. It's a gift of God and it comes by what? Believing. We just finished reading it. Those who believe that Jesus is the Christ are what? Children of God. Come on, if you're a child of God, put it up. Uh, put your hands together. Give God praise. So if we keep reading right there in 1 John chapter 5, now verse 2, it's going to tell us what God's love language is. 
All right? It says, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Now, here it comes. Clear as water. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Loving God is obeying his commandments. You want to know what God's love language is? It's not gifts. He loves when we give to him, right? A lot of you guys tithe. You know, you brought your first fruits. God loves that. God loves when we serve. But that's not his love language. His love language is when we obey his commandments. You know when God feels really loved by you and by me? It's when we obey. It's when we have made the decision to obey God unconditionally. And how many of you guys know that true obedience is when you do something that you really didn't want to do? True obedience, because anybody can obey. Look, listen, if you do this, if you, if you sow and you give your tithe, God's going to open the floodgates of heaven. Oh, okay, promotion, floodgates of heaven, I'm going to give. You're getting something, right? If you, if you, if you obey God, you're going to be promoted. If you obey God, I mean, if you do things this way, you're going you're gonna to find the person of your dreams, you know. But are you willing to obey when God, has, when God takes you through the valley? How about those three guys, Daniel's friends, when obeying God meant that they could be thrown into a fiery furnace? Would you be willing to obey? What if God says, hey, you know what? I want you to come today, Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, 6.30 p.m. right here for a prayer service. Right, the women say amen, right? But the guys, uh-huh. Wouldn't be so difficult to obey for the ladies, or at least for non-sports fans, but sports fans would be like, hmm, let me pray about it. <laughs> would you be willing to obey if it meant going to the cross? We talked a couple of weeks ago about taking up your own cross. That's obedience. We don't, we don't want that. So, there are Christians here, and I know a lot of you guys have decided to follow Jesus. You've made that decision. You know, I'm getting ready to die to myself, take up my own cross. You call yourself a follower of Jesus, but you are living in total disobedience. Listen to me, and I'm going to be blunt today, because if this is the word of God, and I don't come here just to fill your ears so you can feel good and like me, because I'm just about one. I'm just, I got to be straight with the man upstairs. I love you and everything, but I need to teach the truth. Now listen, hold on. Sometimes we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, but we're full of greed. We're uncontent. We feel God owes us. We're full of lust. So we could be full of resentment or anger and unforgiveness, full of deceit and lies. Well, you know, you know you're disobeying God. If you know that it breaks God's heart, why do you think it's going to fill yours? If, if you know that disobeying God breaks his heart, because this is love language. I mean, if that's his love language, the way I show God that I love him is when I obey. So when I disobey, I do the opposite of loving him. Right? So if disobedience breaks God's heart, why am I going to think that it's going to fill mine? Maybe it's because 
sometimes we have the wrong perspective of God. Sometimes we think that God is, he's, he's pissed at us. He's mad. Or he's waiting for us to fall so that he could, you know, just do away with us and correct us. And sometimes we think the Bible's a buffet. That we go and we take what we want. Right? We eat what we like and then we leave what we don't. I don't even touch that. Oh, this about serving God, mm, X out. Forgiving people, I'll forgive some people, but some people have just done me wrong too deep to forgive them. Mm, right there, you X it out. You leave that out. And all that means is that you're happy that Jesus saved you, but you don't want him to be Lord of your life. When we pick and choose, we haven't given God complete control and and. For God to come into our hearts, for us to have that supernatural um, experience of being true sons of God, of having salvation and Jesus forgiving our sins, there has, to be, uh, uh, there has to be a decision to relinquish the control of your life unto the Lord. What does Lord mean? When people used to call somebody Lord, they were people in, in power, people that determined certain things. If Christ is our Lord, that means that you gave away control of your life. Now you seek for God to, you know, uh, instill his will in you. Now I'm willing to do God's will. And I'm willing to put myself to the side. So if God, you challenge me to obey you in something that's difficult to me, God, because I love you, I'm going to do it. Now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that because that's not a process that that you can achieve in your own power. The process of loving God and experiencing all that God is and all the love that God has and has shown him across for you is not something you can receive from hearing words or from doing a quick prayer. It's something spiritual, something that can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. How many say amen? How many believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? We can't see God, but he's working right now, right there as you're speaking. If you give him an opportunity, He'll work in your life. He'll speak to you personally. And I love what John, 1 John chapter 5 finishes saying in verse 4 and 5. It says, for every child of God. And we know what a child of God is now after reading verse 1. Child of God is all those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Savior. All those who believe that he is the Savior. It says, defeats the evil world. You're never going to lose when you're a child of God. Hello. How many winners do we have in this house? How many people here don't like to lose? The Bible says, look, you, you, could, you could be uh, going through difficult situations, but when you already know that God's loved you unconditionally, and we're, we'll get to that in a little bit, you'll never lose. You defeat the evil of this world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So I'm going to ask again, how many winners do we have in this house? Let's go. So now I want to do part two of this sermon. I divided it in two parts. First, first, I wanted to teach you a little bit about that. What's God's love language? It's obeying. That's how I show God's love. But listen, let's go. In order for me to show God and obey God and love him, I, it's... The way I do that is in response to God's love for me. I can't love God the way he requires me if I haven't understood fully his love. And this is what really just, just really surprised me this week as I was reading the word of God. And, and God just 
God just uh, brought my attention to something that I, you know, I probably didn't see in the past. And I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. Because then the question would be, how can I fall in love with Jesus? How can I fall in love with Jesus? So how can I love him that way? How can I obey? Because it's difficult. I want to. I want to, but sometimes temptation is too great and I fall and I mess up and I, and I make mistakes. How can I love him? fully? Well, to love God and obey him, we need to understand and experience his love first. So Ephesians chapter 3, is everybody with me? Verse 14. Make sure you jot this down so you could study this in your house. It's going to bless you. Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men in the whole New Testament, since Jesus was born, that's what separated Old Testament from New Testament. Well, from the New Testament, this is one of the guys that he wrote like a third of the entire New Testament. This guy's crazy guy, lived for God, didn't even marry. This guy was like all Jesus, 100%. And he's saying this, when I think of all this, about what we're talking about today, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. And I want you to know why. Because there's certain things that you could be a great man of God and everything, but there's certain things that you can't do. And that's one of the things that God has taught me in this past week, that there's some things that, man, all I can do is do what Paul did. Just pray that you get it. I can't convince you with my words today that Jesus loves you. I can't convince you that he has a plan for you. I can't convince you that you need salvation and that you're dead in your sins and trespasses. I can't. Only God can do that. But the way that you could see that is if I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal it. And he's saying this. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And look what he prays for. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Empower you, inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too greatly to understand fully. Because when you do, and if you do, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. How many of you guys want to have all the fullness and all the power that comes from God? Well, there's only one way. It's by understanding how deep, how wide, how, how high God's love for me is. When you understand that, then you can you start building your roots based on God's love. And, and, and it's not even difficult to obey God because he's loved you so much. And you would never do something bad to somebody that loved you. Am I right? When you are in love, all you want to do is please that person. You'd even go out of your way. When you're a couple and, and you're doing things your own way and then you start dating somebody, all, all of a sudden, you know, things that probably used to do would upset the person that you're courting. And because you love that person so much, you're willing to say, hey, listen, if it hurts you, I'll stop. I'm sorry if I talk this way. I'm, I'm going to change because I love you. And, and, and when you understand how God, how amazing God's love is and how much he loved you, you know, you don't want to hurt him. 
The problem is that sometimes we just don't understand because this is a spiritual process. Listen to me. And that's why God's been ministering to me to change the way I pray about people. As a matter of fact, why don't we just close our eyes right now and ask the Holy Spirit, which is the only one that could work in our lives right now with respect to this that we're talking about. And why don't we grant him access real quick for a few seconds right there. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives and thank you for having brought us here. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit now will be welcomed in this place and in every single heart of every single believer that's in here physically and those that are connected to us virtually. God, we give you the opportunity. And I pray just as Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, God, I pray that you give every single person in this place and you help them understand that you give them revelation of the the depths and the greatness of your love, that it's incomparable to any other love that we can know. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. So let's explain a little bit this passage and then uh, we'll, call it, we'll call it a day. This passage talks to us about the Holy Spirit and the power he gives us. Now, always, every time I would hear about the Holy Spirit and the power the Holy Spirit gives us, the first thing I will come to mind is miracles. I don't know if it happens to you. Right? I, I, I grew up in a ministry believing, and I believe that if it's in the Bible, God still does it today. God could heal people supernaturally. God can make organs just come out of nowhere. and just I believe in that. I believe in healing. Every time I hear about the Holy Spirit and its power, I think about deliverance. People that are addicted to drugs, and they can't, and, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes, and, and they just don't need it anymore. It's something supernatural. They didn't have to go to rehab, although I don't have a problem with rehab. But it's just, I believe in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to work miracles and do things. But, 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 Paul's not talking about that. And this is what just shook me this week because Paul's talking about praying, getting on his knees so that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon people for what? So that they could understand how deep, how wide, how great God's love is for you. This, this, you know, it stood out to me and I'm like, you know what, God, I, I got to start changing the way I pray for people. I got I to gotta start praying for this because sometimes we think that just the power of the Holy Spirit is for miracles and signs and wonders. And, and I was telling somebody backstage, have you ever, you know, in ministry, have you ever, you know, preached the word and, and you're, you understand it and then you see people's faces and it's like, they say they get it, but they don't get it. And it's like, amen, but... You know, hey, bring your Bibles. But then the next day, they don't bring their Bibles. It's like, you know, are you in or are out or what's the deal? You know, and, and sometimes it's that, and, and I believe that sometimes we can come to church and even say we love God, say we worship him. But in reality, because it's a spiritual process, we haven't fully understood how great God's love is. How many say amen? So check it out. This is the goal. This is the goal. To be made complete, that's what Apostle Paul is writing. To be made complete or filled with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. I think that that's our mission. We want to have fullness of life. You know, the power of God flowing through us. I mean, we're unstoppable, right? Even though we're mortals. Uh, but we have everything of God inside of us. So uh, we sometimes preach about being superficial. 
We preach about, remember the 10 virgins, that five of them were, had oil in their lamps and five didn't have oil in the lamp, that parable. And, and we're like, look, we gotta, have, we gotta be on the team that has oil, team oil, right? We, we gotta be, on, we can't be superficial. We can't just come to church and see what we can get out and how God blesses us. We, we gotta be in this, right? And we teach about being lukewarm and superficial, but he's talking here about being filled with the life of God and his power. For what? For what purpose? So that we don't live empty lives so that others can see the fullness of God. You know, you know why sometimes we feel, ah, you know, I, I don't have a money problem. I'm good. I'm healthy. I feel there's something missing. And I think that's how everybody, everyone of us here came to Christ. There was just something that was missing. And it was Jesus See, when God made you, he created a piece of you that only God can fill. And you can try filling it with garbage. You can try filling it with sex, with drugs, with all the things. And, and there's still going to be something that's missing inside because only God can fill that. And that's what he's talking about. I'm praying, God, that these people will be filled of your life and filled of that power that comes only from God. So for what? So that we don't live empty lives. I don't know if you guys remember after Jesus was captured. He was getting ready to be crucified. Then they started going after his followers. Where are his disciples? We got to get them next. And everybody disappeared. I'll follow you, Jesus. But when things started getting dirty and when things started getting, when, when it's your skin on the line, ooh, everybody started hiding. The Bible says that Peter would, you know, hide and look from afar, you know, just, and, and they found him. Some people finally say, wait, 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 wait. This guy talks like them. This guy looks like him. He looks like, he sounds like one of them. Why? Because the more time you spend with God, the more you're like him. How many say amen? He sounds like them. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the inner man. Because it's a matter of the heart. Everybody say it's a matter of the heart. In our walk with God, sometimes we fall into the mistake of treating the symptoms. And I've done this as a pastor. You treat the symptoms. How many of you guys have ever had a cold and it's late at night and all you want to do is get a good night's sleep? You're not worried about strengthening your immune system. You know that how you tackle the root of the problem and having a stronger immune system is you got to eat your vegetables, you got to drink your vitamin C, but at that time you just want to sleep. So you treat the symptoms. So you go on the shelf and you get a bottle of NyQuil. And you go, go, I think that was like a cat full, yeah, it's, and you, right? You take some NyQuil, knocks you off for the night, you slept a good night. And sometimes in church, we can come and do the same thing. We could just treat the symptoms. And as pastor, you know, light bulb, when I was reading this, it's like, you know, sometimes uh, we can get frustrated with, uh, why, why, don't, why doesn't so-and-so serve? Why doesn't this person give? Why is it so hard for this person to love their neighbor or to witness about Jesus Christ, to bear fruit? Why, why do you keep fighting in your marriage? Why do you keep lying? Why are you so greedy? Why are you so materialistic? But these are all symptoms of a heart problem. And the problem is that you haven't understood God's love. Because when you understand God's love, the fullness of life is within you. You, don't, you have everything you need. 
the power, the fullness. So sometimes, you know, we get frustrated. And, and the problem, you know, because I've I had to give counseling and I've had to, you know, sit down with marriages and, and look, you got to do this. This is what the Bible says. And, and sometimes you treat the problem or the symptoms rather instead of going to the root. And what's the root of all? The root of is just I haven't understood God's love. Is it possible that we're sitting here and you probably just, just get part of it? Or just, you know, 50% of it? And we haven't even prayed for this. So I started this week, I'm like, God, I started praying for our leaders, started praying for the servants and for the church. God, I pray that we get it. That we don't come in just to have church superficially and, and, and not be transformed and not have that fullness of life. Because the only way we can win this world for Jesus Christ is when you have that fullness, you have that conviction. Jesus is what the world needs. So I'm not going to stay quiet if I see you suffering. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to lay my hands. I'm going to be bold because I have the fullness of life and I have the power. How many say amen? So Paul is praying for the inner man of each person and not for external things. He's not saying God bless them with a new house. Nothing wrong with that. But there's something deeper Something that's less superficial that goes down to the root of the, of the matter. Because if you don't understand the love of Jesus, or if you understand the love of Jesus, you would sell everything you have. It's like that parable. The kingdom of God is like a guy that's walking and, and, and stumbles. And, and he's in a field and he starts digging up what he stumbled on and he finds a treasure. So he digs it back up. And he goes and sells everything he has to buy the land. Not because he wants the land, but because what? He found the treasure, and he says that's what the kingdom's like. But a lot of people, they haven't dug up the treasure, right? You stumbled on it, you still haven't dug it up. Yeah, you don't know how great it is, what Jesus Christ has left. You don't know what a gift salvation is, how amazing the Holy Spirit that lives with you every single day of your life is. So sometimes we don't understand how good God is and the depths of his love. We sort of understand it. And that's why we sort of follow, right? Half-heartedly. But if we really knew him, we would be filled and transformed. And that is the miracle that Paul's praying for. God, I pray that they may be filled of the fullness of life. It's not a miracle of healing. It's not a manifestation, a supernatural manifestation. It's revelation of the depth of his love. And Paul prayed for this because he knew that there was nothing he can do physically. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. And what God spoke to me this week is like, look, Paul was praying and I'm working. <laughs> Sometimes we try to work when we should be praying. Because it's God's job to do that part. I have a job to do, but I can't do God's job. So what I need to do, instead of complaining or instead of saying, get on your knees. Stop working. Get on your knees. Pray. God, I pray, that these, I pray that they would get it. And that was my prayer this week. I pray that your Holy Spirit would, just as Paul was praying here, would just reveal to them how great your love is. And that as they know this, they could be full of the grace. And that way they can draw roots and grow strong roots in trusting God. And that others will see it. So then in 16, 
He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the spirit. So let me give you this example. For example, how many of, how many of you are single right here? Raise your hand. All the single people. All the single people. All right. Some desperate ones in the back. They were desperate in the first service too. <laughs> God showed mercy on them. All right, so check this out. If I wanted to play matchmaker, I could come and I say, look, there's ladies, there's some guys in the back, you know, that are looking to, uh, you know, court. <laughs> they're looking for, they're looking for, their, for the, their special person. And, and I could just present you and I could just talk to that person and introduce you guys and say, look, amazing man of God, this person's always here serving God faithfully, on time, punctual. He is a hardworking person. You know, he is a, he's an entrepreneur he, and he loves God with all his heart, tithes, right? Uh, and it's amazing. But I can't force you to love him. I can present you, right? And I could talk good about you and, and everything. I could pray for you and everything. But I can't force you to love him or love her. Am I right? I can play matchmaker, but I can't make you love anybody. Well, to know, uh, to know the love of God, it's, it's the same thing. O- only God can. I can only introduce you to. I can only come here and do my part. I can pray for you, but only God can show you in your heart how much he loves you. And only the Holy Spirit can make you, once you understand this love, make you fall in love with God. How many say amen? So I want to finish up. I can do the whole introduction and nothing happens. Unless, as Paul wrote, the Holy Spirit strengthens you with power within. So as we finish up today, it's talking about empowered with inner strength. How much time did you spend today getting your exterior self ready? How much time did you spend in front of the mirror doing your hair, doing your makeup? How much time did you spend in the closet staring at what you should wear today? How many spent upwards of 15 minutes in the closet? No? All right. We did good today. (laughs) Now, how much time did you spend or invest in your inner being today before coming here? How much time did you spend on your outside, on your exterior being? And how much time did you spend praying, saying, God, I'm going to go to church, but I don't want to just listen to another sermon. I want you to speak to me because I need to be changed in some area of my life. You're going to talk to me, but I want to make sure that I get it. Because sometimes in my flesh, I don't get it, but I want to be connected spiritually so that I can get everything that you're trying to tell me today. I don't want to be distracted. How many of us invested time today to do that? And to think about our inner being. How much time did you spend? And I'm going to ask you a few questions. I don't want you to answer these questions aloud. I don't even want you to answer them to yourself quickly. I want you to digest it. And think about it. Meditate it. Meditate on this. And if you want, you could even take this home. And while, you know, during halftime, you (laughs) you could think about these questions. But here goes. Are you aware right now that Jesus is crazy in love with you? Let that sink in. Are you aware 
right now, as you're sitting there, that Jesus is crazy in love with you in a way that you've never thought. Crazy in love with you. He'll do anything. Who watches his son bleed in a cross because he, love, he loves others? Who, what kind of love is that? We don't understand that. You, you don't, we can't understand that. What kind of love watched his son, gave up his only son to be nailed on a cross, laughed at, having to have left him alone, bleeding to death because he loved you and he loved me so much. So do you understand, and it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we could, how crazy in love God is? Number two, are you 100% sure? Not that he loves the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, right? We all know that. But that he loves you individually. That he knows you. He knows what was the first thought that crossed your mind this morning when you woke up. He knows what you're worried about for tomorrow. He knows the thing, the challenges that you're facing right now. He knows, he knows. How many of you guys are 100% sure that he loves you as an individual? And last question. Are you totally convinced? Are you totally convinced that he loves you like no one else loves you? More than your mom, dad, girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever. Are you convinced that he loves you like no one else can love you? Or is there some part of your life or some part in you that's insecure or doubting? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I know he loves me. Bible, we hear it in church all the time. I've been told that all my life. But are you certain of it? And do your actions demonstrate that He loves you more than anything? And I want to pray for us today, just as Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Uh, but before that, I want to summarize what we spoke today. Number one, we can't obey or love God, much less others. If we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to strengthen us with his power so that we can be rooted deeply in the love of God. Only the Holy Spirit can teach us and show us and open our eyes and we can understand the spiritual mystery of the depth and how great and how amazing God's love is for us. Sitting right there on the chair where you are, a lot of us don't understand how much God loves us. We can talk about it. We can say God is love, and, but we just don't understand to what level or to what depths God's love is. That's number one. Once you do, once you do understand it, and it's a process, once you start understanding, and, and it's going to come, you know, as you spend time, God reveal to me your love. Show me your love. Let me understand it so I can love others and love myself with that love. And when we do that, then we understand and we are able to love God with his love language, which is what? Obedience. You see, when you understand God's love and you understand how much he loves you, it's, it's not difficult to obey because you are, in you are in love with God. You love him. You will never do anything that hurts him. So everything that God loves, you love. Everything that God hates, you hate. 
it becomes easy to overcome temptation. It becomes a passion to say, God, your, your commission, what, you love me so much and what did you tell me to do during this time? Why am I alive? It's what? The great commission to, to, to tell everybody about Jesus, to build disciples, right? To baptize people in the name of the Father. God, I'm, I'm all in. Let's do it. I'm ready. The world calls them, and sadly, even the church sometimes calls them, oh, no, he's a fanatic. It's a fanatic. No, no, it's not a fanatic. It's somebody that through the power of the Holy Spirit got it. How deep, how wide God's love is, and man, if I have to give the rest of my life to serve him, that is 1% of what he did for me or less. I'm willing, I'm ready. So I don't have to debate this. And that gives me the strength to be able to obey God and to live a holy life and to, and to honor him in everything I do. So I want to pray today, but before that, I want to read this one last time. And I pray that you jot this down, read it at home, because it takes two, three, five, ten times for you to get it. It is so rich, but there's so much revelation there about, you know, who God wants us to be. And it says this, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. See, they grow. It's a process. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Father God, I thank you. Because what's going on today, it's not a work of a man. It's not a work of preparation. It's not a work of study. It's a work of the power of your Holy Spirit. Touching people's lives. Coming into hearts that are open towards Him. So that you can show us how deep, how long, how great your love is. And God, we pray that today as we're sitting here and giving you the opportunity to speak to us. Pray that the Holy Spirit will give us revelation of how much we're loved because we can't love ourselves much less love others if we don't understand your love and to what depths you've loved us so first of all thank you God thank you God for loving us that way for even giving up one of your own your only son so that we can be loved so that we can be saved I pray God that in JTP church this church would always be a church that people will grow their roots based on the love that you have shown for us and that we in turn will use that same love and pass it on to others that are needing of your love that, I, that haven't heard about you and I pray Holy Spirit that people in this place would get it would receive it not in an intellectual way but in a supernatural way and I thank you because I believe that's going on right now in Jesus name thank you Holy Spirit amen and amen